Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes? PR comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked someone really quickly about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi, Harriet. How are you? Hello, I'm good. We're starting off today talking about channels you don't normally think of using. Yeah, so I've got a hobby in lockdown. It's the only hobby I have from lockdown and it's reading app updates. That's like my ideal fun. So I noticed ClearScore, the sort of credit score app. So I was reading through the app updates and I realised how they're using it really strategically. So they put on there what the app update is in really like plain language, not just bug fixer. They also put the team that worked on it There was one where they actually used it as a recruitment drive. So they said that they're recruiting for roles at the moment. They used it as an internal comms channel as well to praise the people who'd worked on the app. And I just thought, actually, no one else does this the same way. Everyone just lists what the app update is. They've used it really strategically as a channel. It's clever that when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about things like delivery and logistics and how like brands like ASOS, obviously Amazon have done it for a while with Prime, but you know, you pay an additional fee to get everything like, you know, the next day or in two days. And obviously there is a ethical kind of sustainable issue with that. But then brands like Nespresso do it where you order stuff, but you can also arrange your capsules to be picked up for free and recycled. Although that's like a fringe thing to the main product, it's a really good way to engage your audience like more regularly. And you're a sucker for packaging as well. I heard a podcast that the founder of Propercorn did, the Piper podcast, which is an investment firm. And it's all how I grew my brand. And she was talking about when she designed the packaging of the actual popcorn, it was beautiful. It was amazing. But what she did is she decided to make sure that the packaging of the actual boxes was outstanding because what she thought about was in terms of a business strategy, if the packaging was dull and boring, then it would just sit in the supermarket stores where if it was bright and colorful and on eye-catching then um, supermarket staff were likely to look at it get intrigued then actually unpack it faster and it was a really interesting way of using packaging and also I think on packaging you've got people who do um, a lot of copywriting so you've got Innocent, got Oatly and then um, there's another brand that does it really well called Frank and Bods. I've bought a bit of skincare from them and I think they just use copywriting so well on their packaging. It's entertaining and it's giving me a message at the same time. Companies like Bloom and Wild that do the flowers that you can get posted to someone so you don't have to rely on people to actually be in to send stuff. That made me think about postages kind of underused a lot. Companies like Biscuiteers and their packaging is great but they always send reminders when you've brought stuff but reminds some Mother's Day and things like that and I do think when you get a nice piece of postages prompt purchase and email marketing is good updates do drive purchasing and you know you do get some strange ones I had a really weird one from Danelle this week the subject line was like nudes inside and I was like what and it was like take a peek it was like nude bedding and it just made me laugh saying it seemed really off brand for Danelle so I think it depends on your brand if done well they can like make you think of the brand in like a positive way yeah and I guess when you're spending so much on a product you actually expect the packaging to look nice you expect it to be kind of on brand exciting inviting I mean I really like Lululemon when they send out the online deliveries the outside of the bag 
has copy on it and then also inside they'll give you another sort of mini carrier bag that you can use that has wording on it other brands are missing a trick by simply just giving you something really plain you're you're, you're missing an opportunity to communicate with your consumers by doing that yeah I definitely think with like designer brands they've always kind of made a big thing of their packaging there's a tiktok i watched the day of this woman using a, a louis vuitton carrier bag and then buying a perspex bag and then attaching that in and like making it into a bag and i was like this is genius even like bags for life clever ones like that can really reinforce the brand i know co-op did the stuff where they had their retro brand uh, the the turquoise blue one and they went down really well and i think things like that can reinforce the brand positively yeah and tony's um chocoloni inside the um packaging of the chocolate it does have some stuff about what they're trying to do as a brand in terms of slavery within the cocoa farming industry there's that unboxing culture isn't there you know unboxing on instagram unboxing for youtube and i guess a lot of people are missing a trick if they don't think about the entire customer journey We've invited Maria Adiduran, Senior PR Account Manager at Wimbar. Before joining Wimbar, Maria was at YouGov and Iroko Partners, an online media distribution company focused on the Nigerian entertainment industry. Welcome, Maria. Thanks for having me. We really wanted to talk to you about tech PR. The work that Wimbar do is focused on Africa and emerging market. Could you give us a bit more of an overview and insight into the landscape? Because Africa is more than one country, as we know. 20 years ago it was all about charity work poverty feeble Africans and when I came into the space which was about seven years ago by then a few companies like Iroka Partners they were raising money attracting um, investors and the narrative sort of slowly shifted what I found was that there were times where you know I'm trying to pitch a story and they're like okay but what where's the rags to riches like we want to hear the poverty story so it was a bit um, like no you know there's a lot of innovation going on there's a lot of opportunities here also another thing occurred was the fact that people always lump Africa as one but we're all different 54 countries different cultures different languages Nigeria alone where I'm from there are about 500 languages and like a lot of tribes part of that was just to understand each market so I'll use fintech as an example in Nigeria cash is still king you know I remember when the last time I went to Nigeria trying to use a card payment it kept declining and I had to go out to withdraw some cash but then I went to um, Nairobi last year and I was in an Uber and they were asking for mobile money when I had cash so it's like quite different and I hear in South Africa for example um, that card penetration rate is about 70 something percent so it's slightly different and so when you're telling that tech story just walk us through how you think about sort of strategy design so when you've got a startup how do you think about it versus when you've got a scale up for a startup it's pretty much trying to introduce the problem and solution and my favorite tactic would be using human stories it really tells what the problem is and what that that company is solving so and when you think about scale ups again they're typically trying to invest money trying to prove that we've done our legwork we've shown you that yes we are solving a problem now we want to scale it to another level now this is where data will come involved you know talking about like the wider 
um, wider opportunity. And I think like investors and journalists as well, they love to see numbers, they love to see figures. So that's kind of like the two different strategies that I would use for each. And there's a bit of a misconception that good PR coverage in the tech space means being featured in TechCrunch or having something in Wired. How important is it to segment media coverage from sort of trade international outlets to sort of local titles as well? It's funny you ask this. There's currently a discussion like TechCrunch versus local um, African media houses. Once a company has reached a certain um, level or they've raised a certain amount, they give the exclusives to TechCrunch and they sideline those who have supported them in the past. Now I can say at Wimbart we do not do this. It's caused quite a lot of um, a lot of Twitter chats about you know why is that happening but I'll say this the reason why a lot of companies would prefer tech crunch is when they're trying to um, attract investors they're trying to attract you know those who will help them scale and grow to the next level but I would say never forget those who helped you when you started out because when you just started your company, TechCrunch doesn't really care, I'm afraid. Some of them will actually see who's covered you before. They will look, oh, has Business Day in Nigeria covered you? Has Business Daily covered you? Has Disrupt Africa or the other tech cabals, tech points? What are they saying about your company? And I always tell people, do not forget them because, yes, they may not attract investors, but they are attracting the ecosystem, for example. So if I'm in the tech community, I know an investor and I see you in a tech cabal, which they, they're mainly in Nigeria, but also across Africa, I can share that with my investor. Like, oh my God, look, here's another company. And it's quite, you know, the tech community, they they do support one another um, on the continent and they do talk a lot. I understand why people would want like the tech crunch, the wired, the CNN, the local media, they're, they're as equally important as well. So radio is still king in many of the markets where you work. How have you leveraged the channel and what are some of the things people need to consider with radio? Radio is mostly like a B2C PR, but we focus more on B2B. However, last year, there was a moment where we really relied on radio. During the lockdowns, only essential workers were able to move and you know, work. The truck drivers of, for a company that we worked with wasn't quite sure whether they were an essential worker or not that also meant like fresh goods um that needed to be moved were basically rotten and the company came to us and were like drivers are not moving they think they're they're breaking the law if they do there's a lot of miscommunication between the government the law enforcement and the drivers we need your help typical driver based in north nigeria not really educated so can't really read or write but they listen to the radio a lot so we pitched a bbc also and said basically crops are dying we need to get something out there so we pitched the story and we had the client go on the radio to basically talk about the problem how there's miscommunication how truck drivers are essential workers and they can move the goods without you know being arrested or being fined so that was pre-recorded and uh, you know an sms went out to the drivers tune in at so-and-so time they did and they realized because like BBC hours is just an authoritative voice for them they they were like oh okay we can move and that kind of solved the issue and I think like especially if you're trying to attract consumers your customers radio is perfect in Nigeria and Kenya for example there's lots of traffic in the mornings people trying to go to work First thing they switch on is a radio. So that's a way you can actually speak to your your target audience. Working as a journalist on the continent is very different from working as a journalist over here. I have experience. So I worked um, for three years in Uganda for a media house. And there is a culture where journalists are paid to write stories or they're compensated or facilitated 
for their expenses. How do you navigate that for your clients? So we actually don't pay journalists at all. Um, and it's something that we've, we stand by 100%. Unless if, for example, you're taking out an advert, then what we can do is say, yeah, we can do some editorial stuff. Or if they are going to an event, we can offer to pay for their Ubers and things like that. But generally, we don't. It was slightly worse when I started because it was just Jessica and I at the time. And we'll try and pitch a story and journalists would be like, yeah, it's my fee is X amount. It was so strange. It was like, no, but this is a good story. And unfortunately, a lot of PRs do pay. We've had to build a lot of relationships over the years and really like give journalists good stories if it's like a small announcement we might give it to someone as an exclusive or we might say you know send over questions I can you know get like a one-on-one interview with the CEO and we also help them like with favors if there is a company who's not our client we can say oh yeah we know someone who knows them we can sort that out for you get you an interview so that's the way we, we build relationships with them help them out so that when we send stories they'll cover it the industry's changing a lot before it was really really like everyone charged but now it's getting better and I, I saw it's not me trying to um, blame the journalists <laughs> they're not paid well so it's slowly but surely getting better where there's a nice relationship and yeah they're not expecting a fee at the end of um, a press release how has COVID impacted the work that you do with your clients? When it comes to engaging with our clients, not a lot has changed because we actually work remotely. Some clients I've never met. So that didn't change so much because we jump on calls, we jump on WhatsApps, trying to jump on a call with a client when they're working from home can be quite difficult because, again, power isn't because they weren't in the office where, you know, they, they had like a backup power source or you know they'll have to go to like an internet cafe and then it's loud that's a bit of a challenge but um I would also say it affected like online events because everything is now online if a client can't afford to travel to another country for an event now they don't have to travel because everything's online I think on the continent people have been going they've it's been more of a hybrid approach it's just a case of communicating has been a bit more difficult what advice would you give to anyone thinking about going into tech PR? I'd say really Research, research, research. You kind of have to know the trends. You have to know what's what. I've had to, like, I don't like blockchain or anything to do with crypto, but I've had to learn about it. I even wrote an op-ed on behalf of a client on on crypto and it was apparently good. So you just have to do a lot of research, know the outlets that, you know, cover a variety of of topics like tech trends, what's trending in the sector or industry that you're working in. So my case is African tech. So I know all the tech outlets, I sign up to their newsletters. So I get it every morning where I read through before the day starts. So I know what's happening. It helps with like newsjacking opportunities. just helps with just being aware you can advise your client that this is happening at the moment what do you want to say about it we can do xyz so you're more informed and we have to talk about Wimbart because it's a brilliant agency and leading the way in not just showing how great black talent in the UK and PR comms industry is excelling but also the importance of changing the narrative about Africa what do you enjoy most about working there I enjoy just being able to grow and be myself in the office I come in with my Nigerian food 
COVID and everyone's like, oh, I want some. Um, we're, we're a really tight-knit group. Everyone can just be themselves. We have, we celebrate each other's cultures. Whenever there's an issue that is affecting, you know, the Black and Mick community, we can talk about it. But not only that, 80% of us are, we're Africans. So we learn about our different cultures. It's just nice being able to, to do that. But I think most importantly for me, being um, Nigerian, I feel close to home. I was having a conversation with my mom and she was telling me how the tech industry is booming. And I was like, yeah, I knew that already. <laughs> and I was having a conversation with her and she was like, wow, I should invest in this and that. So just being able to be close to home and know what's happening on the continent just makes me, even though I'm like far, far away, um, it just brings me closer to home. And I'm like, yeah, I just love the team that I work with as well. Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're here to answer the questions you need answers to and talk about the PR, communications and marketing topics you care about because we've got five minutes. You can DM us or contact myself, Harriet, at comdoveracoffee.com and Rebecca at threadandfable.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate, review and subscribe so others can find us. Find us on Twitter at Rebecca7Roberts and at Harriet Smallsey. 